Blog Talk Radio. This is your Groove Mistress, Special Advisor, and host, Madam Perry. But you can call me Jen, Jennifer, musicians call me JP. All I know is I'm just happy to be here, and I am happy you're here. You know, um, I want to thank everyone who's been subscribing. There are so many podcast platforms on which you can subscribe for this show. And uh, what, Podbean, uh, if you're listening live tonight on November 11th, you're listening to to me on Blog Talk Radio, and if you are and you're not subscribing, you know you can always click that Azalea Pink button that says Follow, and I will be grateful. Also, um, you can listen on Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Podbean, Last FM, and they're probably making money off of me that I don't even know about. So, but it's still free to download the episodes, and still no fee to subscribe because that's the way I like it. Now. Um, also, thanks to the people who have been leaving nice, uh, I mean, some very, very interesting, very nice reviews on Stitcher and Apple iTunes. And one of the things I like is that people say, uh, and I've read this in more than one review that people have left, and that is that I have people on that they know well. Maybe it's an author, a musician, um scientist or something, uh, and then they say they like that I bring you people maybe you don't know, people that are new. Um, sometimes the real party people on the show end up being, a na- uh, what do you call it, an anthrozoologist or a NASA JPL um, expert, and that is a groovy thing too. So I just want to say thanks so much, and uh, please subscribe because of you. I'm able to get all the cool guests I've had, the cool guests I've got coming up, the cool guests I've got tonight. And don't forget, on my social media for Madam Perry Salon, on Instagram or Twitter, LinkedIn or uh, Facebook, I will always share the things that people, that guests have for you. Maybe it's a discount, maybe it's a giveaway. Um, you know, uh, for a book or a CD or something. I think Ricky Bird, you remember him, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer uh, from Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. You know, he gave away a package. I think it was a, uh, some swag. And um, his last CD, which is, uh, I think it was, I, um, I know one of the songs on there we play a lot is I Prefer Waking Up to Coming To, and he's got a new one, so he's going to be back soon. Also, uh, remember Franny Goldie, songwriter, a musician, singer, and she's responsible for a lot of your favorite songs like uh, Dreaming by Selena, Stick With You by Pussycat Dolls, Late Shift by The Commodores, um, and she has a clothing company, and you can go to her website, Franny Goldie, F-R-A-N-N-E-G-O-L-D-E dot com. Pick out some of those magic pants that you see on um, Adam Glassman's uh, page on Oh, The Oprah Magazine that's called Magic Pants or anything you want on her site. 
type in MPS for Madam Perry Salon. Franny will make sure you get a nice discount on whatever you want. And also, uh, I still have a discount from, oh, from, um, oh, see, the Wrecking Crew documentary uh, from um, Denny Tedesco. And also, uh, don't forget, if you want to go to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, David Fishoff, who created the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, as well as put together the whole idea of the um, uh, Ringo Star All-Star Band. That was his idea, not Ringo's. He came up with it and sold the idea to Ringo. So um, go to his Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. Sign up for a week. Play with some of your favorite musicians for a whole week and then do a show with them. And if you mention Madame Perry Salon, David will give you a guitar when you get there. Now, somebody asked, what kind of guitar? After which, uh, when... when um, Lita Ford was on here, and she's also been part of that, uh, one of the good musicians that play on there. Uh, Lita said, who cares? David's giving you something and something nice, so don't worry about what type, what kind it is. Uh, Just go. Have a good time. Have fun. Now, now, let's get to the fun for tonight. My guest tonight is author Joe Milligan. He is a rock journalist. He's got a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to tell you more about him. Um... He's written so <laughs> he's uh every time I get ready to talk to you about him, I mean he's a freelance writer, um and he's got a new book and this is one we are so excited about. It's called Let's Go, a biography of the cars, Benjamin Orr, and I'm gonna bring him into you right now, Joe Milliken. Joe Madam Perry Salon. Hi, Madam Perry. So I'm so happy to be here tonight. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. Thrilled. I am absolutely thrilled to have you here. It is so much fun, and you are quite a um, you're quite a fascinating guy. So uh, when I started learning about you and the things that you've done, uh, <laughs> I kept thinking that's where I get all tongue tied. Uh, what is it, tongue tied? Because it's like I don't know where to start. You know. You're you're introducing uh, David Fishoff. There's so much going on, you know, with him being a sports agent, entertainment agent, and all that. And, and you're exactly the same. You know, there's so much that you've done. Um, you, you you know, as a uh, journalist, and I'm just going to have to say, I really got Joe Billiken on the show, and that's cool enough by itself. And your well, new, like, your new boy. I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry, it's funny you say that because during your intro when you said we also bring in people that you might not know, I was feeling like I fall into that category. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I just had that film like, well, I guess I fall into that category because I, I don't know how many people out there know who I am, but, um, but I really appreciate that, that little introduction. I really do. <laughs> people know who you are, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of Cars fans now and Ben Orr fans now that I think know about me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting there slowly but surely, I guess. <laughs> Your new book, let's go. Um, Benjamin Orr, um, the Cars. Now, Benjamin Orr, people, a lot of people know and love him for the song "Drive." I remember when um, because he was a co-founder of the Cars, right? And that's correct. That's correct. Um, and and make sure I'm right here, a bassist as well as 
singer. But I remember when that song came out, when he sang Drive. I mean, the cars were already popular, and they were already doing great. But when that song came out, oh, my Lord, people, I mean, people melted over that. People loved that song. And that was what they used to call a real um, panty dropper. You know, people loved that song. <laughs> ben the crooner. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that that definitely, I mean, they were already a world-famous band um, by the time that song hit the airwaves. But that maybe kind of put them into the stratosphere, if you will, um, because, well, it ended up um, surprisingly, and I didn't realize this until I was researching the book, but um, surprisingly, the Cars never actually had a number one hit. Um, but Drive reached like number two, I believe, two or three on the Billboard singles charts. So it was their highest charting song ever. And um, I think Ben, you know, Ben's vocal was a big part of that. Um, such an amazing voice. And um, a little, a quick story about the song Drive. Um, you know, Rick was the main songwriter. Rick Okasik was the main songwriter of the band. So he wrote all the lyrics, and he would bring these songs into the studio so the band would get ready to start recording and put them together. Um, and him and Ben um, shared the lead vocals. They both um, sang a whole bunch of Cars hits equally. Um, but when Rick wrote a song, he didn't necessarily have either one of them in mind. He wasn't writing a song going, okay, I'm going to sing this, or okay, I'm writing this one and Ben's going to sing this. He would just bring the songs into the studio, and they would both give it a try. And, you know, they would both try the lead vocal, and then together they would sort of figure out, you know, all right, this one should be yours, or, well, I think you do this one better. You do this one. So that's how they kind of worked it out. But when Rick went into the studio with that song, he already knew that it was going to be Ben's song to sing. Um, Rick used to say in interviews that, like Rick had more of a quirky voice, and Ben was more of the smooth crooner type voice. Um, so Rick Rick has been quoted as saying that whenever I needed a real serious, wonderful vocal, I knew that was going to be Ben's. <laughs> so he went into the studio already knowing that Ben was going to be singing Drive. Um, so yeah, that was a real big hit for them. And they're, like I said before, their biggest hit. And um, that sort of put them into the stratosphere for sure. And that's, you know, I, I like hearing that because sometimes you hear about people arguing or you, you hear these stories of bands where somebody's, you know, there may have been someone, no, that should be my song or, or my part here. And to know that there was no problem there. This is my stuff. This is your, this is your domain. So. Yeah, they had a very good working relationship in that regard. Um, you know, like I said, Rick was the main songwriter and lyricist. Um, up until the end of the band, um, for the most part during their career, he would always go into the studio with an open mind and let the other guys in the band um, be involved in putting you know, arrangements together, and everybody got to give their two cents worth, if you will. Um, so Rick was really good about you know, letting the other guys in the band have their say as well. <clears throat> That's good. You don't often get, um, you know, I think some bands start off as a democracy, in that way, and things change a bit, especially when somebody gets more um, attention. You know, we can call people 
the band, but uh, never remember or then or since, you know, reading about anything like that happening with the cars, which was nice. That may have, but if it did, at least they kept it to themselves. So. Yeah, yeah, I think towards I think towards the end of the band, it started to become. Um, for lack of a better term, a little bit more of a dictatorship as Rick sort of took a little more control of the band as things went on. Um, but that was that was only towards the end. For the most part, um, they were they were a happy family and and created their music together in the studio. So um, that that that's always a good thing for sure. Okay. Now, how did um, tell us then? You were already a fan, I'm sure, before you started writing the book. Oh yeah. <laughs> um I don't want to date I don't want to date myself but um you know I I can remember their first album coming out in 1978 and uh I was in junior high school and I was just kind of discovering rock and roll and um that Cars first album and also the second album Candy O um were real mainstays as far as um you know building my music loving foundation in rock and roll. Um, so I was a fan for, you know, I look back on it now and sometimes I have to pinch myself because I can remember, you know, listening to those first couple of albums, like I said, when I was in junior high school. And then here I am all these years later, um, writing a book about Ben and interviewing guys in the band and talking to you right now. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and go, is this really happening? Because I, I was a fan many, many years before I ever decided to even become a writer, never mind write a book about Ben. So, um, yeah, uh, me and the cars go way back. <laughs> <laughs> so what, um, let's see, I'm trying to figure out where to even begin. Uh, what, when did you decide to write a book about Benjamin Orr and I, okay, here's my problem. Here's the problem I've got with you. I've got so many things I want to ask you. I might have to beg you to do an epi- a part B episode, have a, have a part one and part two. Uh, but right now, three things are on my mind. First of all, Ben, and of course for people who don't, I think everybody knows, uh, Ben did pass away in October of 2000. Um, but how, what, what made you interested in writing a book about Ben specifically? And how did you, where, where did you start? Um, and how how did the two guys get together? Who got together first? Was it was it Ben and Rick? Yeah, um, Ben and Rick are, the, are really the co-founders of the band. Um, ben is originally from Cleveland, home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which was which I always thought was very cool. Um, Rick is originally from the Baltimore, Maryland area, um, but it, when he was young. Um, his family moved to um, Columbus, Ohio, I believe. Um, and then, you know, as they both got into music um, in their early days, they were sort of playing in bands that were, you know, playing the same venues and things like that, and they would kind of cross each other's path. And they kind of they knew each other a little bit before they decided to become bandmates. Um, so Rick and Ben um, are the co-founders of the band, and they toiled away with different musicians and different bands and different um, styles of music and traveling all over the place. I mean, it wasn't a thing where them two got together and the band just clicked and they got a record deal and off they went. Um, It was a labor of love, and they 
traveled around and basically starved. <laughs> they were, they were. You've heard the term "starving musicians." Um, that was Rick and Ben for for a good decade before they finally landed in Boston and you know found the right mix of musicians um, to get their record deal. So they are the co-founders. Um, let me see. Your other question was, how did I decide to write about Ben? Well, it, believe it or not, and it kind of it just it happened by happenstance. Um, I had already been a published writer for a few years. Um, I was writing freelance articles for um, a couple of music publications, um, including Goldmine Magazine, um, which is a music collector's publication. Um, and that was around 2000, I think, is when I first started getting my articles published. And I did that for several years, and, you know, it eventually progressed, and I actually got a full-time job at a local newspaper in my area. I started out as a sports editor and was also writing some arts and entertainment articles. Um, so I had a full-time job as a writer for a while. And then I eventually progressed from there and decided um, I wanted to you know, um, take the plunge and, and try to write a book. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to write about other than I knew it was going to be music-related, and I had a short list of ideas. So then one day, um, and this tells you how far back it goes, because um, a Cars fan saw my MySpace account. <laughs> you know, MySpace before Facebook was around, um, so that kind of tells you how far back it goes. Um, a Cars fan saw my MySpace account, saw that I was a, a music journalist, saw that I was originally from Boston, because that's where the Cars launched. I had listed the Cars as one of my favorite bands and influences, and she sent me a message out of the blue and said, you should write a book about Ben Orr, specifically Ben Orr, not the Cars as a band. So I thought to myself, well, you know, why would I write a book about Ben specifically if I was going to write, I mean, why wouldn't it be a Cars book? Um, and, and I will admit that the Cars were not on my short list of ideas, although the Cars have always been one of my favorite bands. Um, they weren't on my short list of ideas to write a book. So that's what I said to him. I'm like, well, why wouldn't I write a book about the band or maybe even Rick? Because technically Rick is the leader of the band and you know, kind of people might know him a little bit more as the, the leader of the band. Um, and she just said, why don't you look up Ben and, you know, investigate him a little bit and see what you think. So that's what I did. I investigated Ben, found out, like I just said, that he was originally from Cleveland in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I immediately thought that was cool. And um, when I dug into his history a little bit, I learned that he was a a teen star, if you will, in the city of Cleveland. Um, back in the back in the fifties and early sixties, um, there was a television, a music television show, based in Cleveland called Upbeat, and it was sort of like American Bandstand. It was like the Cleveland version of American Bandstand. So they would bring in these national artists to sing their hits. Um, but the one different thing about Upbeat was they would have a house band behind the national artists who would play music as they, you know, introed and outroed to commercials and stuff. So what they would do is they would go into the city of Cleveland and find local Cleveland bands that they thought were cool, and they would bring them in to be these house bands. Well, at that time, a 17-year-old Benjamin Orzechowski, which is his real name, 
um, was in a band called the Grasshoppers, and they were one of the hottest bands in Cleveland at the time. And his band ended up being one of these house bands for Upbeat. So I thought that was really cool. Here's this 17-year-old kid whose band is on a nationally syndicated TV show. Um, so he was sort of famous, and this is like a decade before he ever met Rick. So I just thought that was really cool, and I, I learned a little bit more about him and found out that he was a guy who, like from the age of six, was was playing instruments, and I learned that um, he wanted to be a musician from day one. It was the only thing he wanted to do in his life. It was the only plan that he had. Um, he actually quit school. He quit high school to become a professional musician. Um, so I just learned all these things about him, and he was just a very determined guy and was determined to be um, to be in a national band, and I just I learned these things about him. I went to some of my friends who were Cars fans and said, "Do you know anything about Ben Orr? Do you know where he's from? Do you know anything about his background?" And no one knew any of this. So that was really what hooked me. It wasn't even necessarily that Ben was famous in the Cars. It was his early story and this cool story about this young guy in Cleveland becoming eventually becoming a rock star um so that's kind of how it happened and it it sort of just went from there well listen i want to stop right now if, if i could joe and say um if you're listening live tonight november 11th 2019 and there's a, something special about 11 11 for this book that we'll get to that in, in just a bit but if you're listening live tonight my guest is journalist and author joe milliken we're talking about his book now it's called <laughs> Let's go, Benjamin Orr and the cars. And by the way, if you've got a question, if you want to talk to Joe, whether you, if you were a, a cars fan, Benjamin Orr's fan, if you want to know about uh, Joe writing this book about Benjamin Orr and things, and also, um, you know, you can give us a call. The number is six four seven one six nine nine two two. That's six four six seven one six nine nine two two. It's a toll free call in the continental U.S. Uh, Blog Talk Radio assures me. And for those people, and Joe, I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes in life you have these jobs where you can't always make a phone call. And uh, so those people, I don't want to leave them out. And they know they can always message me on Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Maudette Perry and with a question or a comment. And, Joe, for people who are getting ready to call um, or send me a question or a comment for Joe Milliken about Let's Go, Benjamin Orr in the Cars, his book, you can maybe, possibly, win a copy because Joe is being very generous tonight, not just with his time, but also letting me, uh, saying that he will give away a signed copy of the book. So, It's my I got, pleasure. I got three calls waiting here. Let me start. Let me get at them, Joe. They're here. They're lining up, okay? And I, I'm ready. And I love them. Okay, so the first one coming in here to the genie bottle. Joe, you know this is your first time here at Madame Perry Salon. Um, you know, your friend Chasm Sultan, my first time he came in, he remarked on the Moroccan decor of the genie bottle here. So I want you to be comfortable, but you know, it's kind of dim. Could you reach over and part the beaded curtains for the first person who's joining us for a moment? And hi, <laughs> Madame Perry Salon. And Hello? Hi. Hi, come introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Rachel Cox. 
Hi, Rachel. I'm glad Hi, you Rachel. called. Hi, Joe. You got a question, got a question for, for me? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so I was just wondering what it was like researching a book about rock musicians, and also do you see yourself writing more books about other rock artists? Um, well, writing a book about a rock musician, um, it it's pretty interesting in itself, but what made it sort of, I don't want to say difficult, um, the thing about Ben was, as um, the madam mentioned earlier, um, Ben passed away in 2000. So obviously, um, this was way before I started writing this book, so I couldn't interview the man himself. So what's the best? What's the next best thing you can do if you can't interview Ben? You have to interview as many people as you can who knew him, so they could be his voice. So that was sort of the direction I had to take with this book. Um, I spent the first year um, sort of writing an essay, if you will, just gathering as much information um, about Ben as I could. And then from there, I just started doing interviews. And I ended up talking to about 120 people who knew Ben throughout his life. And that is sort of how I built up the manuscript. Um, so it was it was a unique undertaking for sure, you know, in the fact that, like I just said, I couldn't interview him myself. Um, but I interviewed a whole lot of people who knew him really well, and it's kind of ironic that I, you know, I, I almost feel like I knew Ben, even though I never got to meet him personally. Um, I just interviewed so many people that were really close to him that, in a way, I, I do feel like I knew him, and I'm hoping that these people help me to uh, paint the best picture possible um, of Ben's life. And the oh. second part of your question was, um, do I see myself writing another book? I am going to be writing another book. Um, when this book came out, um, I told myself that I was going to wait a year or so um, because it took me a long time to do this book, and I wanted to make sure that I took the proper time to market it and um, get as many um, get as many books out there as I can, if you will, um, and reach as many fans as I could. So I've been doing that for the last year or so, and I am just now starting to create another short list of ideas. And ironically, a lot of Cars fans are sort of nudging me to um, do a book about Rick Ocasek. Um, I'm not quite, I'm not positive what I'm going to do yet. I still need to talk to the publisher um, and sort of, you know, get together with them and get their ideas and see what they think about it. Um, But Rick definitely is on my short list of ideas. So um, although I can't say specifically what my next book is going to be, only because I'm not positive myself yet, um, I definitely plan on doing another rock music book, and it will be, um, I'll be starting it out probably after the first of the year. That's All fantastic. Right. Thank you so much for taking my question. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for calling and taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. Absolutely. Of Let's Go, the biography of Benjamin o- Orr, the cars. So awesome. that's your next. Thanks. You. All right, we got three ways over. So, everybody, don't hang up. We will get to you as quick as we can. And I'm grateful, so grateful that everybody's listening and calling. All right, welcome, welcome. I think this person knows their way in the door. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. You're talking to JP and author Joe Milliken. Hello. And this is which person? Six, seven, 
area me? code. Six seven eight. This is Ray Daffrico. Ray Daffrico. Uh, Ray. Hello. Glad to hear hey, from you. Glad to hear your voice. What's up? You yeah, I'm calling no. from, from Atlanta. You're calling from where? Uh, I'm calling from Atlanta. Uh, All right. And i got to say, I'm, I'm a big Cars fan, and one of my questions was, what inspired you to write this book? Were you a Cars fan as well, I'm guessing? And, um, you know, I saw them back in 1978 a couple times um, and always really enjoyed their songs and, and Benjamin. And so I'm looking forward to, to getting the book or reading it. Uh, but, yeah, I wanted to know what inspired you to do it. Well, um, yeah, well, part of it obviously is that I'm a big Cars fan as well. Um, and another thing that I really I, – I felt a little bit of a special connection with the Cars because, um, you know, they they sort of made Boston their home base, um, and that's sort of mm-hmm. where they launched their, their careers from. And I'm originally from Boston, um, so I feel like I have a little special kinship with them in that regard. Um, and, you know, um, my, my inspiration was um, – as I previously mentioned, um, it, it sort of happened by chance. I had a fan get a hold of me and said, you know, you should look at Ben Orr as, as a subject for your first book. And um, I looked into his life, and not only was I impressed with everything that he ended up doing with the cars, but I was equally um, interested in his early life and uh, how he was just a determined guy that wanted to be a rock star from when he was a little kid, and uh, nothing right. was going to stop him from doing it. And um, it took him a long time, even after he hooked up with Rick Ocasek, it took him a long time to finally yeah. get that record deal. And um, he was just a, a determined man. And um, I I learned so many cool things about him through all these people I interviewed. He was a very loyal guy. Um, he never forgot where he came from. Um, whenever... Mm-hmm after the cars became famous and um, were touring around the country, whenever the band went into Cleveland, his hometown, he would get a hold of all his friends that he grew up with and had other bands with when he was a kid, and he would get them backstage passes and limo rides to the concert and take them all backstage and would never let any of them spend a dime and would show them a great time. And that was another thing that I thought was really cool about um, Ben was that he was a very loyal person um, and never forgot where he came from. And I thought that was um, he's just a very unique guy. So there were a, really a lot of factors involved with me deciding to write a book about this man. Yeah, uh, that's interesting about Cleveland because uh, a guy who I was in a band with, his brother is from Cleveland and, and knew them um, growing up. Cool. They, yeah. Thinking, yeah, uh, I wish she should probably interview him too. But um, apparently, I guess <laughs> they had a lot of lot of friends and stuff. But my band later went on to play. We used to play at the Rat a lot in Boston, which I guess the Cars used to play there before, well before oh. us. But everybody oh, yeah. played at the Rat. But yeah, so yeah, the Rat uh, is um, mentioned. The Rat is mentioned a lot in my book. Um, you know, the Rat is sort of uh, the CBGBs of Boston. I mean, there were a lot exactly. of famous bands yeah. that, that played the Rat. And as a matter of fact, um, I interviewed the owner of the Rat. Um, his name is Jim Harold, 
and he was good friends with Ben. Even after the Cars became famous, him and Ben mm-hmm. stayed friends. And um, so the uh, the owner of the Rat is interviewed in my book, and he talks about the Ben and he talks about the Cars playing there. So pretty cool that you mentioned the Rat because they're they're in my book. Oh yeah, definitely. I know uh, that's uh, that, that was a great club, you know. Uh, hey Ray, <laughs> can you stick around yeah. just a minute? Okay, because I'm going to bring in yeah, two yeah. other people, but. You've always you've got a good you've got such a good knowledge of, of, of music and other people, especially touring with your popular band, the Night Porters. Um, so just stick Hi. around. I know you've got a lot to to add. Um, so I've got a couple more calls waiting. Hi, this is Madame Perry Salon. Just uh, you're here with Joe Milliken, and we're talking about his book Let's Go, biography of Benjamin Orr of the Cars. And come on in, introduce yourself if you can. And I'm talking to the two two five. Am I up? I'm sorry. Are. Okay. Hi, right. this is uh, Carrie Dunn calling from New Orleans. Hey there. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing hey, great. You. Thanks for calling in. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm very interested in this book. Ben uh, Orr is. Uh, I've kind of been, I don't know how to put this, but I just always found him a little bit fascinating. I thought he had a wonderful voice. Um, and in listening to the cars, <clears throat> as much as I, you know, love the Rico Casting songs, I just thought Ben Warren had such a soulful voice. And I don't know how to explain it. It seemed to me like Rick was more of the tinker and Ben was more of the rock and roller, straight ahead rock and roller. Uh, I could be wrong about that. But. Uh, I'm just wondering, he seemed like such a reluctant star. I mean, was that the case that you found in your research? Because he never really, I don't know, it didn't seem like he promoted himself like other people do and, you know, fans of the time and everything. Yeah, you're you're very observant in that regard, um, and, you're, and you're right. Um, the way I describe it, you know, Ben was... Um, the way I describe it, you know, Ben was a really, believe it or not, off stage, Ben was like just a regular guy. He didn't act like a rock star. He didn't um, seek out the spotlight. And how I've described it is when Ben would get ready to go on stage, he would flip a switch to become a rock star. And he'd go on stage and, and throw all these people for a couple hours during the show and then when he came off stage, he would turn that switch back off, and he would just become Ben. Um, so you're right. He wasn't – I wouldn't necessarily say he was reluctant because, like I had mentioned earlier in this um, this broadcast, um, he, he always knew what he wanted to do. From when he was a little kid, he knew that he wanted to play music and entertain people and be a rock star. So I don't know if I'd necessarily say he was reluctant, but – he was always just a regular guy, and he didn't seek out the spotlight. Um, when I was doing research for this book, I would, you know, see interview, listen to radio interviews with the band, or, you know, see some video footage of the band getting interviewed. And Ben was really quiet and reserved. Um, if, if an interviewer asked him a specific question, of course he would answer it. But other than that, he kind of just hung out in the background, so to speak. Um, so he was idea. he was sort of a quiet rocker. He really was. It's a, a 
the song that you titled your book after, Let's Go, is my favorite song of theirs. And I just remember being a 12-year-old kid and hearing that phrase, you know, get a whiskey mouth. And I, for some reason, that phrase is always stuck in my head. I just thought it was so <laughs> evocative. Um, it's just a great line. And I think right there, and then his voice, and especially like on dry, the way he sings is just... Yes. <laughs> You're not going to change the channel. You know, Ben was Ben almost developed his own. He had his own way of singing. I don't want to say he developed his own language, but he had his own. He had this specific way of singing and the way he delivered lyrics um, that was just so unique unto itself. I mean, nobody sounds like Ben Orr. Um, and I, um, I've and in other interviews, I've described Ben. Um, he is one of my, even before I decided to write this book and I was just a Cars fan like everybody else, Ben was always one of my favorite vocalists in rock. I mean, to me, he's right up there with Paul McCartney, David Bowie, uh, Paul Rogers of Bad Company. Ben mm-hmm. is just has such an amazing voice, and and like the madam just said, when Ben comes on the radio and you hear that voice, um, you're locked in, and... Um, he was just an incredible vocalist, um, for sure. One of the most unique voices in rock. Well, thank Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to um, to call in and chat with us. Thank you so much, Carrie. And you're all you're also entered in the drawing, Carrie, to win a copy of the book. So I don't know who's going to win, but you're in. But if not, it's definitely a good book to get and definitely worth the money. So thank you so very much, Carrie. Thank you, and I shall get it. So y'all have a good night, and I appreciate you taking my call. Thank oh, you. It's- <laughs> Okay, and I've got a few more folks here. And remember, the number is 646-716-9922, 646-716-9922, toll-free call in the continental U.S. And I've got two very nice people that have been waiting a long time. I know they're very nice because they're patiently waiting. And so, first of all, right here, uh, welcome to Madam Perry Salon. I think this is a call. This is someone from the New England area talking to, uh, you're talking to Jennifer Perry, Madam Perry, and author Joe Milliken. So come on in. Have you got a question for Joe? It might be me. Is it me? I think, well, let's see. Um, it's an 802-490 number. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> 802, that must be Vermont. Yeah, Vermont. hey, Joe. Hey, <laughs> how's it going? I love it. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's me, Joe. It's Ben Reisman. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ben, how are you, my friend? I'm my new well. friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is great. Well, I've been, you know, so, like so let, been... let me let, let me preface this first by letting the people know. Um, this is Ben Reisman. We physically met the other night at a show for the first time, and um, Ben is the nephew of a gentleman named Bill Reisman, and Bill owned Northern Studio. In in the Boston area, and this was the studio where the Cars originally recorded their demos that got them their record deal. 
And Bill Reisman was a wonderful man. I talked to a lot of people who knew him well. They said that he's no longer with us, unfortunately, but he was a very generous man, and he did a lot for the cars when the cars were first trying to make it big and trying to get their record deal, and they didn't have a dime in their pocket. And Bill Reisman took them into their into his and gave these guys studio time and helped the cars. He was instrumental in in helping the cars to create the demos that got them their first record deal. And <laughs> and this gentleman here who's on the line got a hold of me recently, like within the last couple of weeks after he had gotten the book, and we just met the other night. So I just had to let the people know how I know you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is great. This is so funny. Okay, Ben, you got a question for me? No, I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> so you let I me do all the talking, huh? <laughs> well, there's people with better questions and everything, but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for um just doing a great job of of writing the story and and um, really telling a full story of, of a real human being. And I think it's it's too easy to get lost in the world of fame and, you know, for people to lose touch with what's real in life. And I think the way you've told this story, it really brings to life um, a real person with real heart. And he just happened to become famous. You know, someone with tremendous talent, of course, too, who earned it. But, you know, I just think it's a great way to, to remember somebody. And... Uh, so I I just appreciate all the work you did, Joe, and and um, just acknowledging uh, my late uncle Bill as well. It just means a lot to me. So it's a great book. Oh Ben, thank you so much. I I don't know what to say. Um, all I can say is you and I have already made a plan to get together and talk further about your uncle, and um, to let everyone know, um, I also have my own website called Standing Room Only where I write about music and the arts um, throughout the New England area and some national stuff. And I plan on getting together with Ben um, because I want to write an article about his uncle and how he helped um, bands early on get their start in the Boston area through his studio. So I'm going to be collaborating with Ben, and we're going to write an article about his uncle so people out there can, can learn a little bit more about Bill Reisman. And I cannot emphasize enough how instrumental – Bill Reisman was in helping the Cars to get their record deal and allowing a band that didn't have a dime in their pocket to come into his studio and create demos which helped them which helped them get their record deal. So, Ben, I really appreciate you taking the time to call, and um, I'm going to get a hold of you real soon so we can get together and, and, and do that article about your uncle. Yeah, sounds great, Joe. Bill, Thank you so much for ben, calling, man. Ben, before you have a good night. Thank you so much. You, you've you've added as if Joe wasn't enough. You've added some star qualities, some rock royalty, uh, in, into the show, and I'm so uh, glad you called and so patient to wait uh, to for and also. For music. And it's the bitch. Hey, welcome to Madame Pink Salon. You are the top of the talking about Let's Go, biography of, of uh, Bill Orr and the Cars. And just come on in, talk to us. Tell us who you are. Oh, am I the one who's up? 
I don't know. Somebody with an 815 area code. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. Come on it's in. your favorite don't Polish cartoonist. It's me and Jerry and Joe Millican. And, and uh, if you've heard of the band The Night Porters, they're quite popular. You've got Ray Daffrico from The Night Porters hanging out in here, too. Still here? What? Okay. <laughs> sure. Let me try calling back. I think my, I think my phone's acting funny. Okay. We'll be here. Yeah, I apologize. I'm having trouble, a little trouble hearing, just to kind of let it out there. <laughs> okay. Well, at least you sound good, and, and you're answering like you don't have a problem hearing. That's good, too. So um, I was going to ask, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Standing Room Only because I had notes on that written. Standing Room Only is your website talking about um, uh, letting people know what you music scene in the Boston area. Now, uh, Ray here at, um, has been doing a lot of work writing and perform- and also recording with um, uh, Kate O'Riordan from the uh, Pogues. And you're up in that area a lot, aren't you, Ray? Uh, well, I played up in New York not too long ago, but um, I haven't played in Boston in, in a long time, but uh, uh, there's a lot of good places, like we were talking about the route, which is not there any more i don't believe but you know there's always a lot of good clubs in the northeast and it's it's easier to get to the clubs there everything's closer together than in the south you got to go really far to get other cities so um so we used to play up there all the time you know um but yeah boston's a great rock city you know um i uh i opened for the vibrators in new york uh, like a month or so ago uh, they're still around the English punk band. Um, that's basically the last thing I've done up, up there. So, um, but yeah, like uh, I, I, I'm really excited about this book, though, because uh, you know Ben Ward lived in Atlanta for for a little bit too. I, I never met him, but uh, I heard he was living here. I, didn't, I, I guess that's in your book too. Yeah, he did live in Atlanta um, at the end of his life. Um, you know, when the cars broke up, um, he was living in the Boston area, and like I had mentioned before, you know, Ben was kind of a quiet, reserved guy, so when the cars mm-hmm. um, sort of dissolved, he wanted to kind of get out of the music scene and spotlight for a little while, if you will, and he sold his right. house in Boston and moved to Vermont. So he was in Vermont for a few years, and then um, he started his own solo band called Or and did some mm-hmm. shows in the Boston area and the Vermont area and around New England. And then one day he got a call from the Atlanta area um, from a gentleman named Pat Travers, who is a oh, right. yeah. guitarist, rock and roller. Yeah. And there was a band that they were forming down in Atlanta, and they ended up calling themselves Big People. And it was mm. a super group, if you will. Um, it consisted of um, Pat Travers... Um, Jeff Carlisi from the band 38 Special was in that band. Um, the drummer was Liberty DeVito, who recorded and toured with Billy Joel for years. And um, also Derek St. Holmes, who was um, Ted Nugent's guitar player and co-singer yeah, I know, for I a know long Derek, time. Yeah, I know Derek, yeah. I've met him before, yeah. Yep, so the, um, they were starting this band, and they needed a bass player. So they were sitting around talking about it, and they were all huge Cars fans and loved Ben Orr and said, let's try to get a hold of him. 
and one of the guys in the band was friends with Elliot Easton, guitars, um, the Cars mm-hmm. guitar player. So they got Ben's number, and they called him in Vermont and said, would you like to come down and meet us and see what you think? And Ben went down to Atlanta, and he ended up joining the band. And big people, um, I'm telling you, they were going to be big. They um, they started mm-hmm. rehearsing. They started doing a tour. They were opening up for Sticks. Um, and they hadn't written any original material yet, but what they were doing was they were doing songs from each one of the guys' bands. Like they would do you know, a couple of Ted Nugent songs because of um, Derek St. Holmes. And because right. Liberty DeVito was in the band, they'd do a couple of Billy Joel songs. And because of Ben, they would do a couple of Cars songs, and they would do a couple of 38 special songs for Jeff. So they were doing all these songs that they, all the guys in the band were already famous for, and they were pretty much on the brink of doing a headlining tour and starting to do demos to see if they could get a record deal. And unfortunately, right around that time is when Ben got diagnosed with cancer. Um, So unfortunately, it never ended up materializing in the end um, because Ben was... Ben was the rock star, and um, unfortunately, right. the band sort of dissolved not too long after Ben um, passed away. Um, so yeah, Ben mm. spent um, a, the last couple years of his life. He was in the Atlanta area. So yeah, I had, he- I had heard that. Cool. I didn't really know. I didn't know the backstory with the band and all, which is pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, I, I interviewed. Just heard I, he was here. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, I interviewed yes, all those guys for the book. Um, Jeff Carlisi, oh, cool. um, Pat Travers, Liberty DeVito, Derek St. Holmes, they all talked to me about Ben for this book. And uh, you know something something else I'd like to add? Here's all these guys that I've told you about who all were already famous musicians. They all were in million-selling bands. They were all in awe of Ben Orr. Um, Jeff Carlisi told me a story where when when they finally got Ben to come down t- from Vermont to meet with them, he said, we were all excited like we were 16-year-old kids ourselves. They were like, oh, my yeah. God, we're going to meet Ben Orr. And they said, you know, the first That's time cool. they met, they met in a restaurant, and they said, you know, Ben walked in the door, and they were all like, oh, my God, it's Ben Orr. And, I mean, these are guys that were all, I mean, Liberty DeVito, I mean, the guys toured the world and, you know, sold millions of albums with Billy Joel, and all these guys were in awe of Ben Orr. Um, Starstruck. So that kind of tells you a little bit about the the aura that Ben that Ben had yeah. around him and the effect that he had on people. It's pretty amazing. If I can interrupt, yeah, I guys, mean, for that other caller, okay. we've got another call that that had okay. to drop while ago. Came back in or want to yeah, welcome you? Yeah, I had to take off, but uh, uh, okay. it was good good talking to you and and thanks for doing the book and uh. Let's meet you sometime. Oh, man, thanks so much for taking the time to call in and, and hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Thank you, Ray, Ray Daffrico. Okay, now our other person that, that was called la- called before and, and dropped, and so I uh, think he's back here. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Hey there. Sorry about that. Oh, My phone is acting it. extremely weird. <laughs> Hello, you still there? I can hear you now. Okay. Okay. And tell us who you are. Uh, I'm Peter G. I am a cartoonist and animator in the Chicago area. Hey, Peter. Thanks for calling in. It's nice to meet you. 
Nice meeting you too. How you doing? I'm doing great. You got a question for me? Well, it's more of a general question because listening to you talk about uh, listening listening to you talk about Mr. Orr, uh-huh. You mentioned that he's very that he was very quiet and he was kind of introverted and stuff like that. And I was wondering, do you find this to be a very common thing with a lot of musicians? Like, I'm a huge fan of Queen, and I love Freddie Mercury. And Freddie was an introvert and almost painfully shy, but you put him up on stage and he just came alive. Do you see that happening with a lot of people in the in rock music? Where it's like, yeah, they got these larger than life presences, but once you get them off stage, they're like, hi. How you doing? Um, hmm, that's an interesting question. Well, I mean, I mean, I um, I have met um, some famous musicians in my writing days, um, and I don't know if I can honestly give an opinion on that simply because, you know, as a journalist, when I meet a rock star, if you will, if I'm you know backstage or get to do an interview with them. You know, my connection with them is very short. You know, we do our interview, I see the show. So it's not like I'm necessarily hanging out with them in their element. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, it's hard for me to say. I think it would just depend on the individual. But um, I, to create a current example off the top of my head, um, I recently went to a show a couple months back. Um, the gentleman who wrote the foreword for my book, his name is David Spiro, and he, um, I, I talked earlier in the show about this Cleveland TV show called Upbeat that Ben was on when he was a kid. Well, David Spiro's father was the executive producer of that show. So David knew Ben from when he was like 12 years old, and he grew up and knew Ben all his life. So, and David is, um, went on to be a, a big radio DJ in the Cleveland area. He was connected and worked at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so he went on to do a lot of cool things in his own right. So I had David write the foreword for this book, and um, David um, is now the manager of the famous rock band Bad Company. So Bad Company did a show near me, and David said when the, when the band's in the area, why don't you um, come on down to the show and you know we'll get together. So I got to go backstage and go in the green room and meet the guys in Bad Company and one of my favorite bands of all time, and Paul Rogers is one of my favorite singers. And I, in this instance, I got to spend a few moments with the band. And in that instance, I will say that Paul Rogers seemed very quiet and reserved and, you know, not flamboyant at all. Um, so using that as an example, I can see where you would ask me that question that, you know, do you feel like rock stars in general are like this? Because he really did seem that way. As a matter of fact, I almost had to lean in to hear what he was saying to me. He was so soft-spoken. And then a half hour later, I see him on stage rocking out all these songs that I've known for years, belting it out and being a showman, and he looked like the total opposite of what I had just seen backstage. Yeah. Um, Niall Rogers, so, the producer, yeah. he he met Queen at a party. He said everyone else, like Brian May, is just you know standing around talking and stuff like that. And Freddie was like huddled in a corner behind a plant. <laughs> and doesn't that just seem like the opposite of what you would think? Because like you said, he goes on stage and he's just so flamboyant and just you know Alive. Full of energy and electricity and yeah. And then to see him backstage and he's hiding in the corner. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I can definitely see where you would ask a question like that for sure. That's an interesting one. 
Yeah, because from the way you were describing it, it's like because I've I haven't been lucky enough to talk to a lot of people in music, but there've been a few. Like I actually got to talk to the guy who was the drummer for uh, uh, for Real Big Fish, one of my favorite bands. Uh, oh, I'm, a, cool. I'm a big third wave ska fan. And uh, one of the things I asked him, because anytime I see, like, music videos or saw them play or something like that, the bassist uh, was always towards the back by the speakers, almost hidden away. And I'm like, is he, like, is he like afraid or something like that? He's like, no, nah, he's just, he's just, uh, he just likes being in the background. You know, yeah. meanwhile, Rod Stewart, his very first concert, he sang it hiding behind a curtain on the stage. <laughs> Well, you know, the funniest thing about Ben is how I talk about Ben being very reserved and quiet and stuff, but I mentioned earlier I describe it as Ben flipping a switch to go on stage. When he's on stage, he does not look nervous at all. He looks like he's in his element, and when he steps up to the mic to, to belt out one of his vocals, um, he has control of that stage. Um, so if he was nervous at all when he went on stage, um, he hit it pretty well because he would he would take control when he was on stage. But yeah, off stage, like I said, he was um, very quiet and reserved. And as a matter of fact, I had mentioned earlier in this interview about how I interviewed all of these people that knew Ben. And I actually, a lot of these people were reluctant to talk to me at all um, because they would say to me, you know, I'm not so sure Ben would want everybody to know all these intimate things about his life. He was a very quiet guy. He was a very reserved and private man. You know, do I, does, does he want people knowing all these things about him? So in many cases, um, when I would try to get interviews with people, I would really have to gain their trust um, for, before they would even talk to me. And in a lot of cases, I would actually create quotes after the interviews with these people and I would show them the quotes and say here this is what I'm going to put in the book about Ben are you okay with this and they would tell me to edit it and change things And so people because Ben was such a quiet and reserved guy um, the people who knew him best were also just you know they were, of course they were concerned about his legacy too and what people were going to know and think about him so they were, they were very reluctant in talking to me um, just because that's the kind of person Ben was, um, very quiet and reserved. Um, so yeah, that was a really interesting question that you that you came up with. I like that. Oh, thank you. Let me yeah. Else, Joe, uh, you talked. We only got a couple about less than a minute left. You know, you talked to so many people and so many people that worked with Ben, especially members of the Cars. Um, I know we don't have time for a lot, but could you just name a couple of the band members that did talk to you that were able to help to help you, or other musicians that worked with Joe and I mean with Ben and any band, and and um, yeah, you know, I, I really w I want to take a moment to mention two guys in the Cars: the drummer David Robinson and the um, the multi instrumentalist and keyboard player Greg Hawks. Um, they're both they both live in Massachusetts um, near me. Um, they were both incredibly generous with their time with me. After the book came out, I did a book um, a book event in Boston. David Robinson came to the event and spent the night with us. Um, and Greg, um, I just met Greg a couple of weeks ago. He did a show in Northampton, Mass., just outside of Boston, with a band called Eddie Japan. And I told him I was coming down. He took the time to meet with me before the show. He took a picture with my book. Both of these gentlemen were just so generous to me in their time, um, and they were all they're interviewed in the book. Their their quotes are throughout the book. 
So, yeah, I wanted to, I'm glad you asked me that because I wanted to mention those two gentlemen as just being humble and generous with their time, and they loved Ben, and they were really happy that I put this together. They said that he deserved to have this, his story told. Um, so those two guys in the cars were, were really instrumental in this book, and um, they helped me out tremendously, and I, I, I'm, yes. I'm eternally yep. grateful to them. It, it, and they must be very happy that you're uh, written a book about their friends so that people will know that even though he passed away in 2004, quite a popular guy, quite a talent, and, mo- and, and quite a beloved entertainer and person as a friend. You know, and I told you, I had my husband and I met Greg Hawks um, after um, the Todd Rundgren White Night concert. And, you know, I saw him that night with Todd. Um, he was on the Utopia tour, but when the uh, latest tour, the individual was in Atlanta, it was, Todd did two nights in a row um, in Atlanta, and Greg, you know, was. was and man, I don't know old he is, and I'm not going to ask it's none of my business, but that man is still tearing up the stage. He's, he's amazing. He's, he's a, a gift, a gift to the world. You know, Peter is an animator, as he said, and I know him, I know of his work, and so I think maybe it might be time for you to, uh, I don't know, I may try to sweet talk uh, Peter into doing an animated series about um, some musicians. You know, the Beatles, remember when the Beatles had an animated Show? Do you oh yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. Peter into it. I don't know. But anyway, well, we're out of time, and I want to thank you so much and thank everybody who called. Peter, you're in. You're in the pot for uh, possibly one copy of the book. But even if you don't, it's still worth getting. And I am so grateful to have as my guest tonight, author Joe Milliken, rock journalist. Go to his website, Standing Room Only. Go just look up Joe Milliken. This man's got a lot of stuff going on, and he's here to share the rock and roll love. <laughs> in in all the best ways and uh, get his book. It came out one year ago today, eleven eleven. And what is what is the significance of many eleven letters? Yeah, well, I mentioned at the beginning of our interview that um, Ben Orr is short for Orzachowski. Um, and when he was young, um, people had a tough time remembering his name, pronouncing his name, spelling his name. So they all started calling him Benny Eleven Letters. And um, when I actually got my book deal with the publisher, Roman and Littlefield, I asked them if the book could specifically come out on November 11th, 11-11, in honor of Benny 11 Letters. And they loved the idea, so that's, when the book came, that's why the book came out on 11-11, in honor of Benny 11 Letters. Um, I also want to let everyone know real quick, anybody who might be interested in the book, I have another website that's specifically dedicated to the book, and it's real easy www.benorbook.com so you can go there and see some photos and learn a little bit more about the book so anybody who might be interested in checking it out can go to the book website and um, take a look benorbook.com and for anybody that's listening some people listen in their car you know if you you think you're going to remember it if you're like me and you think and the biggest lie I tell myself is I haven't got to write that down I'll remember but just in case you forget I will be sharing all of this information all of Joe Millican's uh, social media um, and all of the websites for uh, benorbook.com and everything else on all of my social media not only Madam Perry but Jennifer Perry and uh, 
for my social media and also it's for my company, Lone Wolf Communications. I'll be sharing all of this because I want everyone to that that loves the cars, that love Benjamin Orr, to get a copy of this book. And Joe, I want to thank you so much. Uh, thanks to all of our callers, Peter, Ray. Uh, I've got everybody's name down for a book. Um, ben Ryson, Rachel Cox, uh, Ray Jaffrico, Carrie Dunn. Thanks everyone so much. Thank you, Jennifer. I can't thank you enough for having me on the air. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.